Hello and welcome to Daily Confidence for Entrepreneurs. My name is Mustafa Hosseini and today we have an amazing topic. We're talking about the power of keeping commitments no matter what. We're going to redefine accountability with my guest, uh, Sam Silverstein, which is going to join us in a minute or two. We're going to talk about uh, creating a culture that lasts and it's uh, sustainable and so that you can impact other people's lives and, you know, make a bigger dent in the planet. Now, during the show at Daily Conference for Entrepreneurs, we share tips, strategies, and actionable advice that you could use in boosting your confidence in different areas of business on a daily basis. And um, as usual, please make sure that you like the show, subscribe in whichever channel you're watching, ask a question during the show from uh, me or Sam, uh, who is going to be joining me here in a minute, uh, tag a friend from who could benefit uh, from the conversation so we can make it bigger impact in the world now let me welcome my guest welcome sam how are you today i am great it's great to be here like excited just listening to, to the introduction absolutely i've been looking forward to our conversation so uh we're gonna we're gonna have a really good time and i'm looking forward to it so today we're talking about the power of keeping commitments no matter what let me do the proper introduction here for sam and then we're going to dive into a very interesting conversation so Speaker, author, and an entrepreneur, Sam Silverstein is the founder of the Accountability Institute and the Certified Accountability Advisor. His mission is to build a more accountable world, and Sam is the author of 11 books, including I Am Accountable, Non-Negotiable, No More Excuses, Making Accountable Decisions, and No Matter What. He is a past president of the National, National Speakers Association and has been inducted into the Speaker's Hall of Fame. Welcome, Sam. Thank you. I appreciate that. Love it. And gang, uh, stick around till the end. Uh, we're gonna. Sam is going to share a very amazing gift, and uh, we'll talk about it later. So how's your day going, Sam? It's been fantastic. Clients around the world, you never know what part of the world you get to visit at any time, right? Absolutely. And COVID has pushed us to do more and more of that. Oh yeah, well, which, we, is, which is wonderful. Yeah, you know that's a, that's a good thing, and uh, that's why we built out our studio here so we can reach people no matter where they are. And it's like honestly, I think if COVID didn't happen, we probably wouldn't be here today. I bet you're right. You know, good. So let's start by your story. What is your story? My story. Um, you know, I I grew up in an, in a an average family, went to college, did all the right stuff. I was in business with my parents. Then I was in business with my in-laws. So I know all about family businesses. And, um, you know, at one point in time, someone, I, I noticed that people were coming to me and thanking me for the advice that I gave them. And I thought, you know, if I have such a positive impact on people without trying, what would happen if I tried? And so um, I had met a, really one of the top sales trainers in the world at that point in time. And he told me that his career took off when he wrote his first book. So I said, okay, that's what I'll do. I'll write a book. So I wrote a book and started speaking. And uh, 28 years later, you know, I've had the opportunity to work with government agencies and companies around the world and, and help them understand truly what accountability is, and what it can be for them, not just individually, but organizationally and in their communities. Love it. And so what do you do these days and who do you serve? Well, you know, we have... I, 
as a, I'm an author, you already mentioned that. I speak on platforms. Uh, speaking today, a lot of it is virtual because of because of COVID and everything else. But then I work with corporate leaders and government leaders in different agencies. So it's not unusual for me to be talking with a client in California one afternoon and then the next morning dealing with a client in Riyadh um, in Saudi Arabia. And then that uh, that evening I could be talking to somebody in the Philippines. Um, I mean, it's it's this is what I do. So I help leaders build organizations and build a sustainable, powerful organizational culture that inspires accountability. We've figured out how to do this. We've case studied so many organizations. We know what it takes. So what's the story behind um, you focusing on accountability and becoming a specialist in that? Well, I was speaking for several years and quite frankly, my friends didn't even know what I was speaking on. They couldn't recommend me. And because of my background, I. I had a, a program on personal development. I had a program on creative uh, marketing. I had a program on sales. I had a program on building uh, dynamic relationships. Um, I had a program on, I, I, on, I, I did some strategic planning. I, it was all over the place. And so no one knew what I was doing. And a good friend of mine, Joe Calloway, I saw him speak one time in a profound moment. He basically said, Sam, pick a lane. And so I, I stepped back and I said, so what's the common element? What's the foundation? What is it that drives everything for us individually and in an organization? Because we see, you know, you see organizations all the time. They need help with customer service. They need help with team building or communication. Those aren't really the problems. What I discovered is the single underlying issue is one that connects back to accountability. And that's when I put my blinders on. And that's when everything I, I write now focuses in on accountability. Love it. So give us your give us your definition of accountability. What is actually accountability? It's real simple. Accountability is keeping your commitments to people. That's it. And so if people are involved, obviously relationships are involved. The organizations we work with that master relationships always master accountability. The organizations that that we get involved with where there's a lot of things going on inside the organization that aren't necessarily positive from a relationship standpoint, mm -hmm. they suffer from accountability. So relationships have to be in place. The second thing is if accountability is keeping your commitments to people, we need to know what a commitment is. So your next question is probably going to be what's Why a do commitment? people struggle? Yeah. Well, a commitment is no matter what. And so it's, it's black and white. It, it's no matter what. Now, here's what we've discovered. There's two areas in commitments. There's tactical commitments and there's relational commitments. And so the tactical commitments, I'll be here at 2.30. I'll have the report done by tomorrow. We'll have the, uh, the proposal by Monday afternoon. These are tactical commitments. Doggone it, if you're not doing that stuff, you don't deserve to have a job. But it, doing that stuff goes to productivity. Productivity is good, but productivity does not equate accountability. So it's the relational commitments that when you keep them, build accountability. And as accountability goes up, productivity does also go up. So those relational commitments are things like a commitment to the truth, a commitment to live the values, a commitment to stand by you when all hell breaks loose, a commitment to it's all of us. If, if you fail, I fail. If you succeed, I succeed. Some leaders look at it the other way around. They say, well, if I succeed, you're going to succeed. They've got it backwards. 
And so it's these relational commitments that when leaders make and keep them, not necessarily spoken, these are unspoken, that's what's going to build accountability. Love it. So why is it that people struggle with that accountability piece? You know, they struggle with accountability because they don't understand it. They think it's a way of doing. They think accountability is doing stuff. Those are the tactical commitments. Those are, That's responsible responsibility. You're responsible for things, but you're accountable to people. And until leaders can delineate between responsibilities and accountability, then they're going to get it all messed up. And they say stupid stuff like, I'm going to hold you accountable. Well, who wants to be held accountable? You know, if if it's my job to do something and I'm not getting the job done, if I've been trained, if I have the resources, I have the responsibility, I have the authority, and I'm not getting the job done, then you should find out what's going on. And if I'm still not getting the job done, you should fire my butt and hire somebody else. If if you are being accountable to me through those relational commitments, I'm going to be inspired to want to be accountable to you. Okay. All right. That makes sense. So for the people that have a hard time keeping their words and keeping their commitments, can you give us some of the foundational whys as to why that happens? And, you know, people like I've, I've had people where they, you know, they're say they say, let's do this. Or like, all right, let's go for a hike tomorrow. And they just don't show up. Let's say, yeah, like you said, we're going to deliver this by 5 p.m. tomorrow. And, and next week they don't. What is the what is the reasons behind it? They don't they don't respect you as a person. They don't okay. value your time um, and they value themselves over you and they don't understand it. Most of the time, I would say it's not malicious, but they just don't get it. Look, I was meeting a friend for lunch. We'd meet together, you know, every few weeks we'd meet and have lunch. Lunch we'd set up, 12 o'clock. Um, I'd regularly show up at about 12.05. He was always waiting for me. He said, Sam, if you keep showing up at 12.05, you're gonna show up and have lunch alone because I'm not gonna wait. And I realized, you know what? I wasn't valuing his time. If I say I'm going to be there at 12 o'clock, first of all, what I discovered was you have a, when it comes to time, you're either early or you're late. You're never on time because 12 o'clock is 12 o'clock, not 12.01. Not only that, it's not 12 and one second because 12 and one second is after 12 o'clock. So you either get there before 12 o'clock or you get there late. And I realized, you know what? His time is important to him. He has things that he's saying no to to be there for me. I need to have the same respect for him. And it changed my whole view on how to approach things like that. And so if people are not showing up, if they look, things happen, okay? There are emergencies, there's traffic, you get a flat tire. I get all that. Things are going to happen. But if someone is regularly not keeping those tactical commitments, and that's what you're talking about, tactical commitments, if they're not keeping those then eliminate those people from your life. Why do you want to, why do you waste time on that? I'm there's Absolutely. enough great people that'll keep those. Remember, accountability is not a way of doing, accountability is a way of thinking, and it's how we think about people. Love it. Love it. Especially when it comes to employment. What advice do you have for people that um they have employees and the employees are not keeping their commitments? Well, okay, so we're talking about the tactical commitments at this point. Right. Um so okay, let's before we do that, can you clarify between the tactical commitments? And I know you touched on this, the tactical and what was the other one? 
relational commitments. What is okay? So, so this is tactical commitments when you say so, you're going to be there at noon. What is that's a tactical commitment? commitment, right? That's all about responsibility. Okay, it's all about responsibility. That's not accountability. Accountability okay. is between human beings. It's me saying, Mustafa, um, you know what? You have a lot of potential. And what I want to do is I want to send you to this course and and I want to get you trained up. And then I want to move you over into this division of the organization because I think you'll thrive there and you're going to grow like crazy. Now, when I'm doing yep. that as a leader, that's me being accountable to and for you. Mm-hmm. And so what's I'm, I'm looking out for you. Now, simple question. Do you want to let me down? Hmm. No. No, no. So what happens? So you bust your butt to to make it work. You bust your butt to learn what you need to learn. He's, oh my gosh, Sam believes in me. He's he's put he's investing in me. I can't let him down. Now, what happens when you have an organization filled with people that don't want to let someone down? They don't. And that's why these relational commitments that build accountability also build productivity. But when we're just focused on getting crap done and the stuff needs to get done, but if that's what we're focused on and we're not focused on people, then we get stuff done, but we lose good people. And these people do not work at their highest potential. So we need to make sure that we're focused on people and let them focus on the stuff. My, you know, when you hire me, you're going to give me a job description. That's a list of responsibilities, not a list of accountabilities. It's things. And again, if you've trained me, if I have the resources, the responsibility, the authority to do it, and I'm not doing it, why wouldn't you fire me? I mean, give me an example. I had a client I walked into, the leadership team of 24 people. They had 2,400 employees, major organization. If I mentioned the name, you'd know who it was. Not, not everybody I work with is that large. I work with companies that have 25, 30 people, same situation. I, I, I go into the room and we're talking, we're doing a, a development and someone starts laughing. I said, what's so funny? Oh, we were talking about so-and-so, Joe. What's so funny about Joe? Well, Joe never does his work. I said, really? And they said, yeah. I said, so what do you do? Well, we go and we it's in his inbox. We take it out of the inbox and we just do it ourselves. I said, oh, great. Do you also take his paycheck? And they laugh. No, we don't get his paycheck. I said, why do you let Joe stay? Why are you paying someone that's not doing their work? That makes no sense. So now this is going to come back to a relational value, which is a commitment to a relational commitment, which is a commitment to live the values. Isn't there a value in the organization that connects to what, what excellence is here? Because there needs to be. And if there is, and I'm not living that value, or in this case, Joe's not living that value, why are you letting him stay? Because if you let him stay, then what you're saying is that value doesn't really count. Right, right, right. If they don't they don't share that, that value, Mike, we have to get rid of them real quick. If it's right, not. but how many companies don't do that? You know, oh they let God. people stay. They go, oh, unemployment is low. I can't find good people. Well, then take your values off your website because they're just lies. If, if you're not living them, they're lies. Absolutely. And, and if you're not finding good people, I'll tell you. So I hear this all the time. I asked, I asked I, one of my, go ahead. No, I'm sorry to cut you off. But it's like, for me, it's like, it's like carrying a bad apple and it's going to, it's going to rot the whole, the whole. Absolutely. Everybody, right? So, so what happens when you fire somebody? Now you fired someone before. Uh, oh Yeah. 
Oh, okay. yeah. It's a, it opens up resources, actually. Okay, so within 24 to 48 hours after you fire somebody, one or more people come up to you and they say, Mustafa, what took you so long? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You yeah. see, when you let that person go, you're protecting the culture for everyone else. Yeah. You're doing them a favor. They yeah. want you to let that person go. They knew about Joe probably before you knew about Joe. Yeah. And when you let that person stay, they know you are not committed to those values. Not only that, they know you're not committed to them because you're willing to let that bad apple stay in the barrel. Exactly. Yeah. And it just, the whole, the whole barrel goes rotten. And then next thing you know, it's going to be game over, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 What was the saying saying hire slow fire fast? I don't know who said that. Yes. Yes. I've, I mean, I hear that all the time. Hire slow, hire to the values, have crystal clarity in what your values are. You better know what your values are. And, and those values better be great. They have to connect to four areas to be a great set of values. Hire to the values and then fire from them. If someone's not living the values, let them go. It's real simple. Um, it doesn't have to be complex, but then everyone in the organization knows, wow, they let Sam go because he's not living the values. I better live the values. It's kind of basic. Okay. All right. So speaking of values, um, what are some of the good ways to build an organizational culture that values accountability? Okay. Great question. So here's what happens. That culture, that workplace culture in an organization, when, when accountability is the byproduct of that, when you have a great culture, accountability is what flows out of it. And here's what else we've discovered. When you create that amazing culture, you also have a, you have better leadership, you have increased communication, you have better teamwork, it's a more safe environment, not just physically safe, emotionally safe, you have more creativity, innovation, um, you have greater productivity, you have greater engagement, and you're going to have greater, um, you're going to have much greater profits on the bottom line. That kind of culture can be had. Now, there's two types of culture. Every organization has a culture. One type of culture is a culture by default. One's a culture by design. So what you're talking about is a culture by design. A culture by default, literally anything goes. They're letting the bad apple stay. If you let the bad apple stay, it says, doesn't matter what the values are. Um, if you produce enough, we'll let you stay. If we don't want to have to hire someone, uh, we'll let you stay. If I'm lazy, you get to stay. Um, but a culture by design is is predicated on, on five things, Mustafa. It's it's first of all, you define the culture and you define it through the values very specifically. Those values need to talk about, there, there's foundational values that talk mm -hmm. to what the character of the organization is. There's relational values that talk about how we get along here in the organization, as well as how we get along externally in the organization. There's professional values, which we talked about, you know, what is excellence here? And then there's community values. How do we connect to and serve the community in which we do business? Those become the house rules. Those become the how. Those define the culture. Then, then the steps are you, you model that culture as a leader. You live those values. You model the culture. You teach it. You teach it to absolutely everyone in the organization. I don't care if they're pushing a mop or they're an executive VP. Everyone has a responsibility to the culture. You protect the culture. And you protect the culture by proactively building relationships. But on a reactive sense, as we said, you. You don't allow people to stay that aren't living the culture. If I'm not living the culture, don't let me stay. Otherwise, it's not our culture. 
And then the fifth step is you celebrate. You regularly celebrate small groups, large groups, company-wide, department-wide. You come pat me on the back, Sam, you're doing an amazing job. You keep celebrating that culture. And then it's just wash, rinse, and repeat. You just keep it up. Hmm. What's the best way to teach um, uh, culture and the values to um, to employees and team members? So, you know, we do that all the time. And that's really a great question. First of all, you have to have clarity in what those values are. You have to have clarity in what those values are. Okay. And 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 there's specific systems. You know, we, we don't need to get into that now. How to identify and articulate, and not just a word, but actually what it means. Because if you don't have a narrative to the value, then you can't teach it. So if you say, well, let's say one of the values is respect, because that's one of the most popular values we see. Well, yeah. respect to you and respect to me may mean two different things. If you write down a definition and I write down a definition, they might be similar, but they won't be identical. So you, there needs to be clarity in what those values are. So for example, um, an organization that, that we case studied, a, a bank in Texas that's absolutely amazing, um, give you an example of, of one of their values um, here. And, the, and here, they have integrity. Here's their value. Integrity, character. Our reputation is everything. Do what's right. Always, every time, anytime, no matter what it costs, no matter who it offends, no matter the perceived consequence, encourage it, reward it, revere it, make it the mantle that we are known for. It is expected. Now, that's what that means to them. Now, now you can teach that because you understand it. I understand it. We know it the same way that you can teach. So how do you teach that? Every time you make a decision, you connect it to the values. And then the people that you lead, you say, this is why we made this decision. We made this decision because it connects to this value or it connects to that value. Or mm -hmm. I just want to let you know, before we start the meeting today, I got to tell you about Sally, because last week, Sally was working with a client, and this is what happened. And you tell the success story of Sally, and you show how she is stepping out the value that, that you have that connects to the customer experience or whatever that value is. Absolutely. And so you start, you, once a leader starts talking about values, you can never stop, because as soon as you stop... People think it's not important to you. This, your culture, your values has to be like, some people don't like this word, but it's a cult. Everyone is all in or they're not in. Yeah. That's it. And that's yeah. okay. If you're not going to live the values, that's fine. We will yeah. allow you to go someplace else. But the values must always be a part of the conversation. At every meeting you have, whether it's two people, five people, 10 people, board meetings, you always have something that connects to the values because this is critical to define what that workplace culture is. As soon as you stop talking about it, the culture drifts. Love it. Love it. So what I heard was um, connect what's happening to the values, the decisions. Here's a decision that we wait and here's why and which value it connects to. Right. Exactly. And share examples of people that are actually living and exercising the values on a I would say regular basis, right? And um, model it stick, as a leader. Exactly. Stick to your values and then don't worry about who is in and who is out. Because um, in my experience, when you share, when you, when you live your values, it's just you attract the, the, the people with the same values automatically. And then you don't have to worry about the thing.
it, it, that's you have it. That's exactly what happened. So to the to the company that says, well, I can't find enough good people. I, you know, I'm in I'm in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and I'm talking to a, a, a construction company up there, and he says, yeah, I just can't. Someone's not living the values, but I can't afford to let them go. Um, and then I'm talking to a construction company in in Lubbock, Texas, and I go, what do you tell the guy that that says, you know, I can't afford to let someone go? I can't find good people. And his response, now this is a guy that in an area of unemployment is zero, always has 40 to 100 people apply for a job opening. Now you think about that. His yep. simple response without even thinking was, well, maybe he hasn't built an organization good enough to attract those people. And so it's, it's hard, cold truth. It's hard, cold truth. People, look, if, if I asked you, List two or three companies you think would be great places to work. What would you come up with? What would I come up with? Yeah. Two or three companies that would be a great place to work. Huh. Forget about, you know, your career or, or you know, what you're experienced in. Just who would be, where do you think would be a great place to work? We got a company up here in Calgary or Canada called Mech Mountain Equipment Co-op. They sail outdoor gear. Uh, it's an equivalent company in the U.S. called REI. Could be. Yeah, I'm saying they give amazing customer service. You yep. can return nice anything. People. They love their customers. They love their their people. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So here's the perfect example. People want to work there. People want to go there to shop. People want to work there. Guess what else? I bet when you're inside, you notice people communicate with each other differently they actually act like they like each other and they're getting along with each other. All of this does not happen by chance. This is, you know, our certified, our, our, our certified accountability advisors, when they go into the field, they teach leaders how to do just that, step it out. This is not uh, rolling the dice. This is not luck. This is by design. By it design. can be rubber stamp repeated time after time after time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we exercise this scaling up method, the Rockefeller, but habits by Vern Harnish. Mm -hmm. And we have a huge emphasis on values. And as soon as, as uh, when I, when I first came across the, the, the book and we talked about, I, I read it and was like, Oh, this is, this is a massive piece. I was like, a lot of people don't share their values. And then a lot of companies don't even have designed values, which Makes it hard for them, like you said. They it makes it hard for them to attract talent. Makes it hard for them to grab customers. So, what is what what would be would be a good way to actually find, define, and or design values for a company? Well, it's interesting. You know, um, when I order a, a sport coat or a suit, I've got a tailor that I use, and uh, the first time I went to him, he, he says, "So, what do you want monogrammed on the inside of the jacket?" He says, just Sam or Samuel Silverstein. I said, Sam Silverstein is fine. And I said, but on the other side, I need you to put I dot R dot S dot. And he says, IRS, you want that on the other side? I says, yeah. I says, no, I don't, I don't, I don't work for the government agency that collects taxes. I'm, I, that's not, that's not it. I said, it stands for integrity, respect, and significance. Those are my values. I want them sewn in my jacket. I want them with me everywhere. I want them omnipresent. Um, we've developed a, I I'd like to think that it's a masterful process of leading, uh, cross-sectional groups of organizations to discover their values. First of all, we've identified 
it's not enough to have great values. You need a great set of values. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a difference. You know, integrity by itself is a great value, but unless it's part of a great set, it's kind of like having a, a car with three unbelievable tires and on the other, no tire at all. What good does that do you? So you need a great set of values. I mean, you need a cross-section of people to discover them. We once had a leader say, well, I'll get the executive team with you and we'll work through this. This is no. I said, let's take a cross-section of the entire organization. He says, well, what if they don't, what if they don't come up with the right thing? I said, well, you think you, you have the, uh, the exclusive on, on, on what's right? Just trust the system. So you take a cross-section and we have a process of, of questions and, and ways of getting people to think creatively. And then ultimately what we're doing is filling, filling four buckets. We want to create values that connect to and fill those four buckets, the foundational values, relational values, professional values, and community values. And we lead an organization through that and we teach our advisors how to do it. And it's, it's so powerful because literally we start at nine o'clock in the morning and by about three 30 in the afternoon, we have a rough draft of a set of values with a narrative like I shared with you with, with phraseology of exactly what it means. So now people know how to step it out and how to live it. And, and so it's, it, it, it's, it's a commitment. It's yeah. a commitment from leadership to say, I'm going to take yeah. a day and we're going to create this and then we're going to refine it and we're going to live it. What advice for, do you have for people that think, they don't want to allocate a day or two or three to sit down, figure these things out and plan and, you know, design their business. Have a nice life. Let me know how it plays out. See, I mean, here's the thing, you know, in our countries, making money is not that difficult. And so companies become, successful and profitable and think they're doing great. And they think they're operating really well. You know, I had a client once and I showed him a chart that substantiated our IP. Basically it showed up an organization that just outstripped the competition, unbelievable performance. And, and one of the, one of the execs, his response was, Oh, we outperform our competition. Now I'd have fired, if I was the leader, I'd have fired the guy on the spot because, um, you didn't get it. It's not about outperforming the competition. It's about being your best. And, you know, you can outperform the competition by this much, but what if you're leaving this on the table? Yeah. And, and, and so not every client is, is for us. You know, you, the people that are watching this right now, you know, this, the clients that need us the most probably are the clients that are least likely to hire us. Um, and, and the reason is because they think they have it all figured out because here's the other side of it. Remember, I said accountability is not a way of doing. It's a way of thinking. It's how you think about people. I said yeah. that we have tactical commitments and relational commitments. The tactical side of the business is important. You should spend about 50% of your time on that. The relational side of your business is important. You should spend about 50% of your time on that. And the organizations that spend 75, 85, 95 98, 99% on the tactical side of their business and ignore the relational side or like the ones you just described. We don't have time for that. Well, let me tell you, you don't have time not to do it. You might be making money, but you can make a whole lot more money. But those people usually, they don't want to hear it. They won't buy in. And if I don't beat my head against the wall 
I, my advice to anyone as an executive coach or a consultant, when you're hearing that, if they're not open, if, if they're not open to doing exactly what you're laying out, then they're probably not a great client because you're supposed to be the expert at something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sam, can you give us some, uh, you talked about some case studies that you've done with a bank. Can you give us some stories about companies that you started working with? Here's company X, here's an issue they had. And then when we fixed it, this was the result. Can you give us some case studies on that or okay. stories? So a couple of examples. Um, uh, an organization that that was operating in 35 locations at the time. I think they're up to about 50 now in four states here in the U.S., 350, 365 employees. Uh, we helped them define their values. Turnover was an issue for them. Um, and, the, you know, they, they hired a lot of college students. And so you're going to have a certain amount of turnover in that. And uh, he told me later, you know, about a year later, we were debriefing. And he says his competitor has a 200% turnover. And um, he was running 25% turnover. I'm oh, like, wow. holy cow. Yeah. Now, 25% turnover, you're thinking, is pretty high. But based on the age group that he's hiring, that's par for the course. But 200% turnover, um, I don't that's even know how to stay in business. Oh, yeah. um, we worked with another organization. And it was a small organization, 24 people. Um and after we helped them, you know, he, he saw me speak at a program. He came up afterwards, says, we don't have any values. Can you help us with that? He almost sounded pitiful. Um, the reality is he did have values. They just weren't codified. They weren't identified. They were living by some values, but there wasn't real clarity. And the whole team wasn't stepping out the values. So, again, we led them through this process. And then we visited with them once a month um, virtually to just keep moving things forward around the values and other areas like what we're talking about today. And here's what, what happened within about six weeks, two people left the org. One, one person left the organization and one person was left from the organization. <laughs> so they fired one, one voluntarily left and they got rid of these two troublemakers and it was just wonderful. They hired two new people. I asked those two people, why'd you come to work here? And the response from both of them was, it was the values. It was the values. Oh, yeah. Then what happened is we started hearing that the people, the employees were taking their values home with them, sharing them with the families. Spouses were saying, my spouse is better for having worked here. Holy cow. Who doesn't want to hear that? Absolutely. And then a few months down the line, a lady was diagnosed with a malignant uh, tumor on her spine. And this was in Texas. And she had to go up to Minnesota to get uh, uh, cancer treatment from the Mayo Clinic. And the employees got together, went to the president and said, can we change our policy manual so that we can gift our PTO, our personal time off to this woman so that she can draw an income while she's getting this cancer treatment? Now, think about what type of relationships are going on in the organization when people are gifting their PTO to one of their fellow employees. It means when you have a deadline, I'm going to be there. I've got your back. I'm standing by you. These relationships were amazing. Nine months in, I was speaking at a at a trade association with a couple hundred people. And the president of this organization happened to be the president of that trade association. And he shared, I had no idea. He shared before he introduced me to speak because he wanted me to speak to them. He said, after nine months of nine, 10 months after working with the organization that 
their activity, which is what they measured everything by was activity, had tripled. Tripled. So all this goes back to values, culture, and accountability. Love it. So in my experience, spending any time or days or weeks on figuring out the value piece and figuring out the, which then sets the culture and set, set the tone for everything and everybody, not a, a minute, minute of it was a waste. So um, it, it is absolutely crucial for businesses to sit down, go through a process like yours and figure those pieces out so that it becomes a coherent cooperative environment will people like to work in that environment people are like lining up saying i want to work at say starbucks why because i like their values right or i want to work with your company versus the other company well because i don't know what their values are but i saw on yours that it's very clear so i can't wait to actually hang out with you guys and i think when we uh when we identify the values, people actually maybe even work harder because it's aligned. Well, what's your experience with that? Yeah, exactly. Now, if the leader is living the values, if he's not doing a do as I say, not as yeah. I do thing, you know, I mean, it doesn't work for parenting. It doesn't work in leadership. It doesn't work anywhere. Um, if they're actually living the values, then they set the expectation that that's how, how it should be for everyone. And the values define that sandbox. You know, those uh -huh. are the, the rules of engagement. So it makes it easier. We know how things are done here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and sometimes if, if the values are great, the other thing we've noticed, and maybe you've seen this also, not only does it impact the employees, it impacts the customers and you get known for those values in the community. They're that powerful. If, if you're living them to that degree, if you're, if you're, if you're talking about them, it's if you're evangelizing those values, if you're saying we are who we are as an organization because of the values that we live, it has to be part of the vocabulary, the vernacular. Um, and then when people hear you say it all the time, then when someone comes up to you and says, Mustafa, why is your company so great? Why is it amazing? No, you're going to say the same thing you've been hearing over and over and over again from your leader. It's the values. And so now this becomes the bedrock, the foundation. It, it builds it up. It, and like you said, you start hiring like-minded people. They want to protect it. They want to live those values. They don't want someone like me working there that's not living the values. And um, and it creates, it really creates an amazing place. But God, there's so many organizations that that don't invest the time, that don't take the time, that Here's the thing, you know, we, we've helped a lot of individuals create their personal values, leaders, executives, just individuals. Um, if you ask somebody, and I'm sure you've done this, you go up and ask somebody, do you have values? Well, of course. Do you live your life by a set of values? Yes. What are your values? Um, well, integrity, that'll always come up. Um, honesty, uh, hard work, uh, um, a friendship, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll think of some things, but okay, those are nice attributes, but are those your values? Do all of your decisions connect back to your values? So when someone actually takes the time to determine what they are through a proven process, to write them down, to define them, to put them on the wall so they can see them, 
um, to talk about them, to share them in an organization with each other or with your family, your spouse, your friends. Um, it's a game changer because you know what happens is, look, when we're done with this live stream, you're going back and you're going to have a situation and I'm going to have a situation and we're going to have to make a decision. And when we have crystal clarity and we know what our values are, we already made the decision. We've made every decision we'll ever make. The facts just have to present themselves. We apply the value and we're done. It's so much easier. But people that don't take the time, and I was one of those people. It took, I, you know, I was preaching it long before I said, you know what? I need to take the time and write this down myself. It was a game changer. Absolutely. 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 Now, Sam, where can people find out more about you and reach out? Well, um, there's several things. If, uh, if you're a, if you're a coach or an, ex an executive coach or consultant, you want to learn more about how to put this to work, not only in your practice or with your clients, uh, check out, uh, coachingblindspot.com is a great place. Yep. And if you come to samsilverstein.com, there's just hundreds of articles and videos and things of that nature. And I think we have something else to give away. Don't we have a values worksheet? Yes, we do. Um, yeah, we got a your number one executive coaching blind spot quiz. Can you tell us about that and what they get when they go to, if they, if you go to coaching you'll get access to the, to. It's going to be a short quiz, 11 yeah. questions. It's going to identify the most important challenging area in your business, in your coaching or consulting business. And then it's going to put you on a wait list because we're finishing up a free master class, but in a couple of weeks, you're going to get an email and it's, you're going to have an, a chance to go to a free master class. It'll be about an hour where you'll learn more. We sell nothing on that. And you'll also get a free copy of the uh, uh, values worksheet that helps you identify and, and figure out the values for yourself or your organization or something to use with your clients as well. Love it. So gang, if you want to get that quiz, 11 questions to identify uh, your blind spot, Go ahead, go to coachingblindspot.com and get access to that. And then there is a free masterclass that comes after that as well. Absolutely. Um, can I ask a few personal questions? Go for it. All right. What's a new thing that you tried recently? A new thing that I tried recently. Um, <laughs> um there's a lot actually, but, uh, I went shooting uh, sport clays. So, um, I was, I was doing, uh, ski, shooting ski, shooting ski, sport clays. You know, they, they throw these, uh, clay discs up in the air and you have a shotgun. Hey, and, oh, okay. Got it. You got know, it. Annie Perfect. Oakley. So, um, yeah, so I was, uh, went out and somebody taught me, I never shot a shotgun before. Someone taught me how to shoot sport clays and I had an absolute blast. Love it. What are your top favorite two or three books that have made a massive impact in your life or business? Oh, well, man, that's difficult. Um, and Let me ask you maybe easier question. I, What's, oh, what are top two or three books that you usually recommend people to read? Well, outside of mine, um, I, I think Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill is such a mm -hmm. classic book. Um, you can never go wrong reading it or rereading it. Um I also think that um, my friend Bob Berg wrote an amazing book, The Go-Giver. And I, I just think that that's, that's critical reading. 
Um, anything from uh, anything from Og Og Mandino, um, uh, the greatest salesman is a great book. Um, it, these are classics. These are classics, but they're just so powerful and so true. Love it, now, Sam. If if you if you um, if you had a Facebook or Google ad where everyone on the planet could see your message, what would your message for the people of planet be? Be accountable. That's the billboard. Love it. I think we talked about that. Um, what's one advice? If there was has... a second one, it All would right. be love people. Mm -hmm. What's the story behind that? It connects to respect. And it's three mindsets that make up accountability. Um, respect is one of them. It, if you ask anyone, do you love people? They're going to tell you yes. But the reality is you see there's so much bias. Um, there's so much um, um, uh, that th th just in the world, you know, that, uh, you know, people aren't treated right. You go to the you went to the wrong school. You dress the wrong way. You have the wrong color skin. You, you, you came from the wrong neighborhood. And so if we just loved people, if we just if we just said, you know what? We're we're all uh, we're all cut from the same cloth, and we might do things differently. We might have difference of opinion, but if we just respected people and loved people and treated them that way, um, things would change. So it it might sound sound trite, but I think I think it's really at the core. Absolutely, love it, love it, love it. Adele is asking: Are your books targeted for coaches only? No, the books are targeted. Um, the books are great for coaches, but they're targeted for individuals. I have a lot of people that are just, you know, sales or just, you know, whatever profession they're in. I have a lot of leaders that buy them and read them. I have leaders that buy hundreds of them and distribute them throughout their organization. So people all over the place. I, I have high school kids that read them. Got it. I'm not if he's asking about, I'm not sure if he's asking about your own books or the ones that you just suggested. Adele, if you could clarify that for us, that would be great. Yeah. Uh, anyone could read the books I suggested could be read by anyone, you know, by are you, thinking grow rich could be read by uh, an eighth grader. Let me tell you, and would get yeah. something out of it. And the go giver. Oh my gosh. Everyone on the planet should read that book. He's asking Sam, he's asking about your own books, what my own books, my own books. Well, there's a variety and they're easy reads by design. Um, but, you know, I like I said, I have a lot of people who are just trying to build a better life. They're individuals. They're not necessarily lead leaders. They buy them. Then again, I have a lot of leaders that buy them. And uh, so it's not, they're not technical in nature. Most of them are about growing yourself so that you can then either help someone else or grow an organization. Got it. Beauty. Now, Sam, what is one advice that made a massive change in your, in your life or business? Well, one piece of advice was the focus. Focus. What is it that I'm all about? Um, and when I started, when I started doing that, then then doors just started opening, and business started coming to me rather than me chasing business. And so I, you know, I'm blessed that people come to me literally internationally around the world looking for knowledge on accountability, either 
either they come to me because they want more of it in their organization or they come to me and they want to be a certified accountability advisor and they want to know what that process is about. But, but when you stay focused in an area, you develop expertise and you become known for something. Absolutely. And I would say that that was probably the most important thing on my career. One of the most important things I did along. Love it. Absolutely love it. Now, Matt Mayer, uh, is, uh, he put a link here to Sam's best-selling books. You go to sam samsilverstein.com forward slash shop. Cool. To get access to all of Sam's books, and he's got a few there. Thank you, Matt. Um, I, I, I guess you know Matt. I do know Matt. All right. So, well, Matt, thank you for posting that. I appreciate that. Saved, that saved that that was unsolicited, but I appreciate that. I appreciate it, too. Now, Sam, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? 20-year-old self. Take the time to figure out what you perceive at that, at that age is your unique purpose. Your unique purpose is what brings you joy in the service of others. Um, from that unique purpose, you derive a mission. Your mission is your unique purpose in action. Your unique purpose is your why. Your mission is your what. Your values are your how. Figure all that out. Just take the time, invest in yourself, put it down on a piece of paper, make sure you see it every day, and then step it out. And you're going to make enormously better decisions every minute, every hour, every day, and keep revisiting it because you know what? Things in our lives change, and we, 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 our perception of what brings us joy may evolve over time. I dare say it's probably there when you're 20, but you might see it differently. And so it's that lens that we look at, which is different when you're 25 or 35 or 55. Um, so just keep revisiting it. But the truth is that unique purpose, it was put in early on and it's there, but we have to go look for it. Love it. So take time to figure yourself out, find your unique purpose, find your mission figure out your why and everything else becomes a lot. Yeah. You know, it's interesting people all the time. I hear this advice. Like I'm on, I spent a fair amount of time on clubhouse and I hear people all the time say, be authentic, be authentic, be authentic. I'm going, yes, yes, yes. But most people don't know what they authentically are. If you don't know <laughs> who and what you are, how can you be true? How can you be authentic to yourself or to others? So make that investment. So while we're talking about it, tell us about how you go about figuring out who you are. Well, that, that is how you go about it. I mean, you know, we have a course called Pivot, a book, too, that, that we take people through this. And, and it is it's seriously, there is a process to understand what your unique purpose is. It is what brings you joy in the service of others. That's what it is. Your purpose, your purpose is not to make a million dollars. Your purpose is, I mean, any, I've asked people that and they say, oh, my purpose is to make money. No, a business, a business does not stay open unless it makes money, but making money isn't its purpose. I cannot live unless I breathe, but breathing is not my purpose. It's just what I have to do to live. And so what is it that brings you joy in the service of others? Because we truly only become our best self when we allow others to help us and when we're helping others. So your purpose is always going to be connected to service. 
So we need to identify that. Then once we identify that, then what's the mission? The mission is that purpose in action. And so now if we know our unique mission purpose and we have a mission and we've identified our values, we have clarity on who we are, what we're what we're trying to do and how we're going to do it. That's a lot of clarity. And then from there it it builds out, but that's the foundation. Those are the three legs on the stool that we need to that we need to invest in figure out how to do. Love it. Love it. So if people wanted to get access to the resource that you just mentioned, and you said you had a book about it as well, where do they go? That link that you just had on the screen, samsilverstein.com forward slash shop. shop. Yeah. Or go. just go to samsilverstein.com and I'm the, there's a, a menu bar across the top and it, uh, yeah, it'll take you there. All those resources are there. Um, if you're a coach or consultant and you want this to be a part of what it is that you're sharing with your clients, go take that quiz and then you're going to find out how to make that happen. Beautiful. Beautiful. Sam, uh, this has been an absolutely amazing conversation. Is there anything you'd like to add that before we wrap up? I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for, for the way that you've organized this, you and your team have been absolutely amazing and you've made it easy for me and uh, the value that you bring into your followers and the people that are connected to you is enormous. And so thank you for, for honoring me and allowing me to come and share with, with your people today. Thank you. I appreciate you. And I pre appreciate your message. Now, gang, if you're watching or listening later or now, uh, figuring out your values, and bringing accountability into your system and into your business definitely helps you boost your confidence in running your business. It, it helps your team members to boost their confidence. And believe me, once your team members are confident, they are going to rock your world. They're going to rock their own world. They're going to rock your customer's world. They're going to rock their family's world. It is just going to be a much more, much, much, much more beautiful world to live in. So, uh, to get access to uh, Sam's gift, again, go to coachingblindspot.com. Get access to the quiz that is your number one executive coaching blind spot. Go from there, reach out, and have a conversation. Uh, thank you again, Sam, for joining us. Thank you guys for watching or listening later. If you have any questions, do post them in the comments on social media, and I'll reach out to us, and we'll get back to you. Questions for me or Sam. Uh, please make sure to like and subscribe to the show by liking the show. You help us help us spread this very important message more on social media and, uh, you know, reach out to more people and make more impact um, on other people's lives. So on behalf of myself with Sam and our team, I thank you for joining us. My name is Mustafa Hosseini. You're watching or listening daily confidence for entrepreneurs. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next week. Bye now.